our, our friend, Dr. Bob Crosby, is coming, and he's got a powerful message for us tonight. So when he walks up in just a few moments, will you do as you always do? Just give him that great victory, that warm welcome as he comes to speak tonight. All right, beautiful. No matter what I've done, no matter where I've been, uh, you pick me up again. So how many of you know that life tends to come in seasons? It does. Uh, there, there are seasons that we go through. Uh, some of them are challenging seasons. Uh, there are transitional seasons. You know, new doors open up. Uh, it could be a, a new job that you begin. A new season in life. You know, we're constantly at Southeastern watching students just about the time you get to know them and watch them grow and develop, they're ready to launch. So you have seasons that they're going through in their lives. A uh, few weeks ago, I had, uh, I'd been in Los Angeles teaching and got on the airplane, and it wasn't long before that that we discovered that my wife's, uh, my wife's uh, aunt had passed away. Uh, it's an uncle that's a dearly beloved uncle. He's really been a mentor to me as well. Uh, he's been a leader in uh, really Pentecostal scholarship, and his wife passed away. It was just really sad, wonderful love story for years and years, but he lost her. So now we're you know, in touch with him a bit, and he's going through this season of getting used to being in life without her. So it's a change. It's a transition. So we went to the funeral in North Carolina, got on the airplane. As soon as we got on the airplane, I got a text from my brother. He said, I'm in the emergency room with mom. And uh, we think she, she uh, you know, has had some pneumonia or something. And with, by the time the airplane landed in Orlando, we found out that she had had, uh, it looked like she had had a stroke. So we just about got home. We got in the car and, you know, not long after and headed to South Carolina. During that time, we heard from no less than three really close relatives that were going through life-threatening illnesses. Uh, two in Missouri, a husband and wife in the same hospital on different floors. And then one in Hawaii that had fallen and injured his head. And, uh, and he just passed away a couple of days ago. So. My wife Pamela is here, my beautiful wife Pamela. You can wave at everybody in case they don't know you. And, uh, but you could pray for her, pray for our family, because we've been walking through a season like that. Some of you are here, and you're in a season of new opportunity. Uh, you've begun a new job. You've started uh, a new step in life, a new project. You've, you've launched something new that you're doing in your life. Some might have even gone back to school. Uh, you know, we see that a lot. But life comes in seasons. So with all the different seasons, the joy, the opportunities, the new things, the challenges, the struggles, the difficulties, what is it that holds us steady through them all? What are the things that we really need to hold on through all of those? Don't you believe that's really what matters most? What is it that we can hold on to through every single season of life? Now, if, if I ask you, you'd raise your hand and you would say, well, God, yes. Or you might say, Jesus, yes. You might say, the Holy Spirit. And I would say, yes, and you would say, and you can say, amen. 
Amen. God, we need him. He's our anchor, an anchor for our soul. Uh, the Bible says we have this hope as an anchor for our soul. And we do. No matter what occurs in life, that steadiness of God, that life that he brings to us. Well, there's another season that we're in right now called football season, right? And uh, some, some of the, the men especially just perked up when I said that. Uh, football season. You know, Wednesday, I almost always look at Wednesday like the 50-yard line of the week. You know, you get halfway through, you're halfway there. Uh, someone has said that the day of the week that most people like the least is Tuesday. Because you're not yet getting close to the weekend. The day they like best is Friday. The day they tend to say is the most stressful is Monday. So it's interesting. Life comes in seasons. Well, when you look at uh, the season that we're in, this football season that we're in, and you know, we're, we sort of, because of all the years we lived in New England, we got so connected to New England sports. And I know that the Patriots are like the team that a lot of people love to hate. Sort of like the Cowboys used to be, you know. And, uh, but, but we began to follow them more and more because we've ministered and uh, served a church up there for about 15 years. But there is a, there's a part of football that is an aspect of understanding it. I remember one of the Super Bowls that the Patriots were in. Uh, we went to a friend's house. It was before everybody had big screen TVs. And she was one of the first to get a big screen TV. And she said, Pastor, would you and your wife like to come over and watch the Super Bowl on our big screen TV? And I like twist my arm, you know. And, uh, the, you know, they had all kinds of snacks, appetizers, the whole thing. And I had talked to Pamela for a while about football, and she's like, you know, there are a lot of sports that I like, baseball and all that, but I don't understand football. And when the Super Bowl started, we sat down with all the snacks and everything, and Pam said, honey, would you explain football to me? And I said, this is not the game for me to explain football. Because <laughs> you know, I get, those of you that like it, you just want to get riveted and focused in on it. But if you know anything about football, you know that there's a part of the field called the red zone. And one of the things you want to do in football is you want to get the ball where? In the red zone. Because you know if you get the ball in the red zone, the odds are higher that you're going to get it in the what? The end zone. The red zone is that last 20-yard section of a field just before the end zone. So it's very close to the place where you would be able to score. And, you know, there are teams at work all the time at trying to get that ball to the end zone or to the red zone quicker and quicker so that they're able to get it into the end zone. I looked up a couple of statistics, and I found out that this year, after three games, uh, Miami, once they got the ball in the red zone, they scored 50% of the time. Uh, Tampa Bay, 50% of the time. I hate to tell you, New England, 66% of the time. But you know what? Kansas City, after three games, whenever they got the ball in the red zone, they, got, they scored 91% of the time. 91% of the time. So obviously, if you're playing football, you want to get the ball into the red zone. You want to get it to those last 20 yards. And you know that everything becomes more intense in the last 20 yards. It's like finishing the process of winning the game. It becomes more intense when you get it in the red zone. 
Well, in, in 1899, someone had an idea that had never been carried out before. They said, you know, we've been printing Bibles for years and years, but one of the things we've never done is print a Bible that highlights the words of Jesus. So in 1899, the editor of Christian Herald magazine decided he wanted to come out with a New Testament that had all the words of Jesus in what color? Red. In red. So in 1899, they printed the first New Testament with the red letter edition of the words of Jesus. It sold so rapidly, so many copies, that two or three other Christian publishers jumped on the bandwagon, and they printed their own version of the New Testament. Then, two years later, the entire Bible was printed. You said, well, wouldn't you only have the words of Jesus in the New Testament? Well, you would think so. But what they did is they also highlighted all the Old Testament scriptures that Jesus quoted when he spoke. So whatever words ever came out of the mouth of Jesus were highlighted in red in this red-letter edition of the Bible. Uh, you know, we talk about a red-letter day being a great day uh, when something wonderful is accomplished. But these red-letter Bibles have been around now a long time. So many people have them. You may have one in your home where the words of Jesus are highlighted. That is significant. Why? Because the words of Jesus matter. Can I say that again? The words of Jesus matter. Jesus speaks his word. You know, I ask myself this. If someone said you could only have one part of the Bible, and it was all divided into all these different parts, you could only have one part. Now, we believe that all Scripture is inspired. The Bible says that. But if I could only have a small part of it, you know what I would want? The words of Jesus. I would want the words that came out of the mouth of Jesus when he spoke. Look at what he said in John. I want to read a, a passage of Scripture here. Follow with me as we look at it. John 14, 21. Listen really closely. Whoever has my commands and keeps him is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, Jesus said, and I too will love them and, and show myself to them. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, but Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus replied, anyone who loves me will obey my what? My Father will love them and we will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. And then in John 15, uh, Jesus begins to use this metaphor of, of a branch, uh, of a vine, a grapevine, and the branch that produces fruit. He says, I am the true vine. My father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes or he cuts it back so that it will be even more what? Fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me and I also will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain. Uh, the King James Version says, abide in me. I am the vine, you're the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much what? Fruit. Apart from me, you can do what? 
nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. What a promise. This is to my Father's glory that you would bear much fruit so that you would show yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. So that's how we remain in it. Just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. You see, Jesus is showing us that he's our example. I've obeyed my Father, and that's how I show my love to him. You obey me, and that's how you show your love for me. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you, and your joy may be what? Complete. Don't we want complete joy? My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. And this, I love this part. I no longer call you servants. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you what? Friends. For everything that I learned from my Father, I've made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. Do you know who recorded those words for us? It was John the Beloved. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John the Beloved. John, this disciple that was so unusually close to Jesus, apparently remembered a lot of the words of Jesus that no one else remembered. If you have a red-letter Bible, you're going to see some red in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and you're going to open up John, and it's, almost, it's mostly red. It's just the words of Jesus. So much of it is full of the words of Jesus. The red-letter words. You say, well, well why is it so important to, to remain in the words of Jesus? Because he told us to do that. He said abide, and abide really equals remain. Remain is an important word in our world today because it really relates to being constant, consistent, staying at it, staying at it, staying at it. The best employees that you ever work with are the ones that are consistent, right? You can count on them. They're there, you know they're going to be there, and they do their job, they stay at it, and they're consistent. And that's what Jesus says to us. To abide, to remain, means to be faithful, persevering, overcoming, diligent, pressing on, staying at it, obedience, remaining, remaining. Turn to someone and say, stay at it. Stay at it. Go ahead. Turn and say, stay at it. You're serving God, stay at it. You're living for Jesus, stay at it. You're going through a challenge, keep serving Jesus. You're going through a joyful, great experience in your life, a promotion, celebrate Jesus and his goodness. Give him the glory. I want to make a couple of observations about this passage that we looked at because it is a treasure trove loaded with things that will help us in our lives. One, remain in your reading, hearing, and studying the Word of God, the Bible. Jesus said to, to those Jews who believed him, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. Staying in the word of God. One of the challenges today in our world is we have so many words in our world. Have you noticed? 
with the invention of the, the smartphone, with social media, with the internet, so many words that we're surrounded with. So many words that the scary part is that words don't mean to many people today what they used to mean. We, we say, well, that's just somebody's opinion. That's just another word. But because of it, if we're not careful, we can allow the words of Jesus, the living, the wonderful words of life, to slip into that category in the way that we look at them. And yet, look at what Jesus said about his word. This passage that we read was spoken by Jesus shortly before his Passion Week, before he was arrested, before he was tried, before he was crucified, before he was resurrected. It was near the end as he was getting his disciples ready for him to leave. So remaining, remaining in God's presence, just like a son would with his father. The scripture says, and a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Remaining in Jesus as a branch is connected to a vine, the true vine. And the Bible says, if you abide in the vine, you will bear fruit. If you stay with Jesus, if you read his word, allow him to speak to you, staying with Jesus. Jesus abiding in his word. His words matter to him so much. What we do with the words of Jesus shows our love for him and how much we value him. You know, Pamela's uh, Uncle Bob Cooley, whose wife just passed away a couple of weeks ago, now he's, he's alone and he's sorting through this new season of life. But I know what he's probably doing because he, he's sort of... Uh, He's a, he's a paper person. He keeps up with materials and the items in the home. And I know he's probably pulling out some files with some of the cards that she's written to him over the years. Suddenly, reading those cards takes on a whole new meaning. Why? Because this is one of the last vestiges that he has of his memories of his times with her. And those letters convey how she feels about him, different things that they might have been walking through in life, joys and challenges, and suddenly they take on much more meaning. They're like a treasure. So remaining in the words of Jesus, he said, I'm leaving these words with you. Remain in them. Stay in them. If you, if you abide in them and my words abide in you, you can ask whatever you will. It'll be done for you. Why? Because those words keep pouring over us and shaping us. They shape us. They shape who we are. They shape what we believe. They shape how we see God, but also how we see ourselves. How we see ourselves. Those beautiful words that are written. Jesus said, I'm going to pray to the Father and he'll give another helper that he may abide with you forever. The Holy Spirit. Do you know, do you know what Jesus said about the Holy Spirit? He told his disciples, and it was this moment, Jesus had built the most amazing organization and movement that the world would ever see, the church. And he's brought these disciples together, and now they're right on the brink of either total disaster or total success. And they feel the tension. Jerusalem is turning against him, and they feel the tension. Jesus brings them aside, and he said, by the way, now that we've built all this, I'm getting ready to leave. Can you imagine? Now that I've trained all of you and brought all of you into this movement, I'm leaving. I'm departing. And I, I can just imagine what they thought when they heard that. But you know what Jesus said? He said, but don't worry, because wait until you see who's coming. 
Wait until you see who's coming. I want to introduce you to someone called the Holy Spirit. You see, I've been with you, but He's going to be inside of you. And then Jesus began to give us like the resume of the Holy Spirit. He said, when the Spirit comes, He's going to comfort you. He's going to guide you. He's going to teach you. He's going to convict you of what's wrong. He's going to show you what's right. He's going to convict you of righteousness. And He's going to remind you that there's a judgment coming one day. And He's going to guide you into all truth. But you know what else He said? One of the most beautiful things Jesus said about the Spirit is, oh yes, when He comes, He's not going to talk about Himself. But He's going to remind you about everything I said. He's going to remind you about all my words. The Holy Spirit's going to illuminate my words to your life. Suddenly you're going to read them and they're not going to be just like like ink on a paper. They're going to be like life because Jesus said, my words, they are spirit and they are life. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. When Jesus asked Peter, Peter, are you going to desert me too with the rest of them? Peter said, Lord, who else do we have to go to that has the words of eternal life? No one has words like yours. You speak like one with authority. You speak like one who's been with God. These words of Jesus, these red letter words, living in this red zone of the words of Jesus. How much do we value and appreciate those words? You know, as we, as we look at our Bibles, you could say, well, this is the Bible and there are blessings that come from reading the Bible. Would you agree with that? Could you say Amen. Yeah, well, you're blessed if you read it. But it's more specific than that because we have many parts of the Bible. The, the Ten Commandments, there's a blessing that's promised for, for our paying attention to those and valuing those. There's the Abrahamic covenant. Do you know the promise to Abraham was you're going to be a blessing to the families of the nations of the earth? Through Jesus, that promise is ours. There are treasures in the Word of God that we only find when we dig in. The book of Revelation, the Bible says, whoever heeds these words, there's a blessing that is is given to them for those. But then Jesus said of his words, this, John 14, 21, he who has my commands and obeys them, that's the person who loves me. And my Father will love him, and I will love them. And then this, and I will reveal myself to him. I will, in others, I'll show more of myself. If I can trust you with my words, I'm going to reveal more of myself to you. Living in this red zone, in the words of Jesus. So many powerful things that he said in the Gospels. What would we do without the words of Jesus? Have you ever heard him whisper his words to you? Reminding you of things like, come unto me all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You will find rest for your souls. Words like peace I give to you. Not as the world gives to you, give I unto you. Let your heart not be troubled, neither let it be dismayed. What will we do without those words? Words like, what shall it profit a man if he gains the whole what? World, but loses his soul. And he, a question that shakes through eternity. How about this? Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. What about this? If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself. Take up his cross daily 
and follow me. What would we do without those words? What about words, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are you when you're persecuted for righteousness' sake, for yours is the kingdom of God. What about how can you deal or see the speck in your brother's eye when you can't see the beam in your own eye? Wow, his words are so full of grace, but sometimes so full of truth, you know, and the Holy Spirit has a way of telling you that when just about when you don't want to hear it, you know. Lord, I'd just rather be mad at this person for a while, and you hear God, well, I'm going to, you know, forgive us our trespasses as, that little word, as we forgive those who trespass against us. How would we live without those words? Love, I say to you, not love your neighbor, but love your enemy. The first shall be last, and the last shall be first. These words of Jesus. You know, uh, Eugene Peterson in the message version, uh, this translation of the uh, passage about the vine reads like this, just this portion of it. I am the vine, you are the branches. When you're joined with me and I with you, the relation intimate and organic The harvest is sure to be abundant. Separated, you cannot produce a thing. Anyone who separates from me is dead wood gathered up and thrown out on the bonfire. But if you make yourselves at home with me and my words are at home with you, you can be sure that whatever you ask will be listened to and acted upon. This is how my Father shows who he is when you produce grapes, when you mature as my disciples." The words of Jesus, beautiful words, wonderful words, wonderful words of life. You know, we used to have these WWJD bracelets. Does anybody still have one of those? Maybe in a drawer somewhere at home. Uh, We might not wear them as much as we did at one point. So many people were wearing the WWJD, and people were asking, well, what is that? Well, it's what would Jesus do? What would Jesus do? And I want to be reminded every day, you know, when somebody says something cross to me at work, okay, what would Jesus do? You know, when, uh, when an unexpected bill comes in, what would Jesus do? Um, you know, when someone says something that makes me think, maybe I could share my faith with them, what would Jesus do? And what would Jesus do is important. It really is. But do you know where what would Jesus do begins? It begins with another bracelet, WDJS. What did Jesus say? What did Jesus say? What did he tell us? What are his words? How do we obey if we don't hear? So Jesus makes it known to us that he wants his word not only for us to hear it periodically or maybe to hope that someone will preach a sermon on it one day, but to pursue it. Jesus is your Lord, amen? He's your Savior. He's the one that you follow. He's the general. He's the captain of your salvation, He's the one that goes before you. He's the one that has gone ahead. He's already gone through death. He's already gone through hell. He's already gone through the grave. He's conquered it all. And he's entered into the highest place at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. Why? To make intercession for you. To represent you. To be your advocate before the Father. He's there right now saying, God, help them. I pray for those you've given me. I pray that they would make it. I pray that they would abound. I pray that they would be one even as you and I are one. Boy, what a, what a needful thing in our world right now, right? So much disunity, but let the church be one for the glory of God. 
In a time of division, let the church show what it means to stand with one another, to love one another, to represent the love of God. The love notes of Jesus. The directions, the commands of Jesus. It's all there in His words. You know, as we come to a point of prayer, because in a minute what I want to do is sort of, I want to make this the red zone for a little while. And I want to give you an opportunity in a moment to come and to stand. And I think it would just be beautiful if we stood together as a congregation tonight and pressed in and said, God, we want to recommit ourselves to the words of Jesus, to the words that you've given us. They're in this book, but God, help me not to just let them sit on a shelf. Help them to be breathed into my life and lived into my life, learning them and growing in them and remembering what you said. Just like if uh, this relative lost his spouse, if he left those letters unattended and never remembered what it was that they had and what it was that their relationship was and what was important to her. So a few things just before we pray about the words of Jesus. And, and some of you may want to take some notes on these. Just a few brief comments that I believe are so important about the words of Jesus. One is this. The words of Jesus are illuminated by the Holy Spirit. So when you read them, here's the beautiful thing. When you open up the Gospels, and I encourage you, read the Gospels. Read your whole Bible, but make sure you're in the Gospels often. And as you read them, the Holy Spirit will illuminate the words of Jesus to you. Jesus said, He's going to brighten those words to you. There'll be a, a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path. Also, the words of Jesus are the written representations of Jesus himself. So when we read them, we're learning some. He's revealing something about himself to us. He's showing us something about ourselves. And, and it's vital. You know, whenever I do a funeral, and you know, we... Pastor Jeff has preached so many funerals over the years that there's a class I teach where I actually have him come in and instruct students on how to effectively perform a funeral. But you know, just before a funeral, one of the things that families do is they want to look for documents that people had. What did they write? What is it that dad wrote? What did mom leave? What can we remember about them? Suddenly we hurry to those words. They're valuable. Why? Because they're gone. Jesus has gone to be with the Father. Now, we know that God, in this real sense, is everywhere. But Jesus said, I'm going to prepare a place for you, but don't worry, because I'm going to send the Spirit. The third member of the Trinity is coming, and He's going to be here with you. Don't worry. I'm going to get a place ready for you. But I want to tell you what you need. You need to pay attention to my words. And if you really love me, you'll stay in my words. The words of Jesus are the pathway to the greatest treasure ever offered to man. They are the pathway to the greatest treasure ever offered to man. The Son of God revealing Himself to you and me. There are things in His Word that are so full of life. And the Holy Spirit is sitting on the edge of His seat wanting to reveal those to you. Those words of Jesus to transform you. And, and just a couple more things about the words of Jesus. The words of Jesus are the clearest definition you will ever have of God's will for your life. You know, we look at God's will, we're like, should I work at this job? Should I do this? Should I marry this person? Should I take this degree at school? Whatever it is, those are not the most important parts of God's will. The most important part of God's will is living according to His way. It's His way. 
Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own what? Understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And then what does he say he'll do? He'll make your path straight. You walk in the ways of God. Well, the words of Jesus reveal the ways of God. The whole Bible, Proverbs, all of it does. But Jesus came to personify it for you and me. To live it out. And then lastly, the last two. The words of Jesus from way back then show us exactly how Jesus desires us to love him right here and now. The words of Jesus from way back then show us exactly how he desires us to love him right here and right now. And then, finally, and maybe most importantly of all, and I don't know if everyone will hear this tonight. I hope everyone does, but I believe, I think you'll only hear this if the Holy Spirit opens your heart up to it. The words of Jesus are invitations to intimacy with God. To intimacy with God. You know, one person said, what is intimacy? It's into me. See? Into me. And it's Jesus saying, I'm going to open my heart up to you. If you'll dwell on my words, if you'll let the Holy Spirit teach them, I'm going to begin to reveal something of my person in your life. I'm going to fill you with my presence. I'm going to guide you through struggles. When you go through challenges, I will be with you. You will not have to be afraid. But the Bible also says, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? It's there for the taking. Come unto me. Unto me. Respond to my words, Jesus says. Well, you and I know we live in a period of an avalanche of words, don't we? So many words, so many words that now we live in this period of where we hear fake news, fake words. You know, you, we just can't, what do you believe? And I think, and I feel for our children, don't you? Because of their needing to be this clarity that, that the truth of God would be elevated in our midst again. We live in a world where we sort of say, well, it's just how you feel about it. That's what matters the most. And truth has kind of been thrown right out the door. And all the while, we have the words of Jesus. He said, they are spirit and they are life. If you have my commands and you obey them, you're the one that loves me. And I will love you. My Father will love you and I will reveal myself to you. The words of Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, you know every place that each of us are in our lives right now. You know where we are related to our relationship with you and our relationship to your word. And we live in a world where there's so many things to do, so many options, so many amusements and diversions and things to sidetrack us. And yet, Lord, in the midst of it, you have sent Jesus, the living word, who now has gone back to the Father and has left his words with us that are beautifully brought to us in the midst of the Gospels, in the midst of your word, in the midst of the Bible. And those words are waiting for us. They're like the letters that a departed spouse has left in a file in our home office. And they're just there full of love full of care, full of insight, full of wisdom. And you call us to pick those words up and to open them so that they begin to open us up to you and you to us by your Spirit. God, we pray that you would help us not to neglect the words, the living words of Jesus. 
Fathers, I prayed about tonight. This was what I felt you put on my heart that you wanted me to share, that there, there's just a desire for you to have your people dive into your word, to, to sort of live in that red zone of your word and to soak up the words of Jesus to be transformed by them. I'm going to ask everyone to stand. One of the most beautiful things that Jesus ever said, and I quoted it a minute ago, was come unto me. Come unto me, all you who struggle, all you who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You will find rest for your souls. Jesus has that, and it's all in his words. So what I want to do today, I just want to make this a place where we come and say, Lord, we recommit ourselves to the words of life that you have left for us. And I'm going to stir my commitment up in seeking after you and reading those words and drawing near to you. I want to make that fresh commitment in my life tonight. And I want to invite you, as we pray, to just come, to just come. Just, just even now, just come. And as you do, Lord, I come. I want to live in the place of your word. I want to draw near to you. And we as a church want to draw near to you. We want the words of Jesus to reign within us, within our lives. I want my family, my home, for the words of Jesus to make a difference in my life, in my marriage, in my children's lives, my grandchildren's lives. God, we don't want to neglect your word. You have given it to us. Jesus left heaven to bring it to us. So let's move in as close as we can. There are people coming. Just move in as close as you can. Right up here, fill these areas up, please. And let's come and just draw near to God and commit ourselves to the word of the living God. You can come right up here, right in here. Fill those areas up. Come right ahead. Lord, we praise you. Let's just begin to praise him. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the words of Jesus calling us to yourself telling us that you love us, calling us to walk with you and to live in relationship with you, saying, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and fellowship with them and them with me. Lord, that's what we long to have, to be close to you, to walk with you. And your words are the on-ramp to intimacy. Your words are the on-ramp to relationship with you. The, your words are the on-ramp to wisdom, guidance, the will of God in our lives. We just praise you. We worship you. We bless you. Lord, we thank you for your goodness tonight. There may be at a time like this, a night like this, someone who's here that you really not only have you, you, do you feel the need to commit yourself to Jesus and the Word of God, you really feel like I've really neglected it. I've been away. And I want to I dive in. There's almost an eagerness that the Holy Spirit has put within your heart. You almost can't wait to, to get home and open your Bible up or to, to read on your Bible app the words of Jesus. Maybe you're becoming curious. You know, I wonder what I would learn if I looked at those words of Jesus more closely, what he would say to me, what he would speak to me. And I believe that's the Holy Spirit calling us and drawing us. So wherever you are in your relationship with God, there's one place Jesus wants you to be, and that's closer. That's closer. That's closer. And he invites you to come. I don't believe that there's really a lot. I think we're as close to God as we choose to be because he, he left heaven to come close to us. And the Bible says, draw near to God, and he'll draw near to you. So let's pray a prayer of commitment. I'm just going to invite all of you, right from your hearts, let it come from within you. 
right from your hearts. Just repeat after me. Dear God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the words of Jesus. And I need them in my life. Our family needs those words. Our church needs those words every day. Lakeland needs those words. This nation needs those words. Lord, help me to dive into the words of Jesus. To read them. To to reflect on them. To learn from them. To be transformed by them. So that I can know you better. Lord, I know you've gone back to the Father. But you've left the Spirit here to lead and guide me and to teach me the Word of God. Lord, help me not to neglect it, but to dive into it, to live in the red zone, to live in the words of Jesus so that I can abide in you. Your words can abide in me. And then I can ask whatever I will. And you said you would answer. You said you would answer. Let's just praise him. Lord, we thank you. Thank you for the word of God. Thank you for the spirit of God that's here tonight, creating more of a hunger in us to look at your word in a different way, to see the gift that it is to us. You've given us good and godly pastors that study the word and that read it, that teach it to us so effectively here at Victory. But Lord, you've given it to us to, to, to study, to learn, to grow, to be transformed by it. And God, I pray for just a fresh move of your spirit in the lives of every believer here in their intimacy with you, that you will bless them, that you will build them up, that you will fill them, and that the word of God would dwell richly inside of them. And then as they abide in the vine, fruit will come out of their lives more than ever before that Lakeland will benefit, that Polk County, that this part of the state would benefit from the fruit of God, the character of God that just continues to grow even more and more and more as we dwell richly in the Word of God. We thank you, Lord. You know, the verse that I quoted a minute ago, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come in and fellowship with him and he with me. I've used that for a number of years to, lead, to, to pray with people to receive Jesus. And I had looked at it for years as a verse that's for people that don't know Jesus. But do you know those words were written to a church? Those were written to a church in the book of Revelation. Those were written to Jesus. Imagine Jesus saying to a Christian, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If you'll hear my voice and open the door, I'll come in and I'll build a relationship with you and you with me. When when our first love begins to die down, often what happens is we become detached from the words of life, from the words of Jesus. And then we allow other things to fill our minds. If you're not dwelling in the scriptures, then you're gonna have a script of some kind that plays out in your mind, of discouragement, of fear, of worry, of anxiety, of doubt. But God's given us his words, and Jesus left his words with us so that we could know his peace. 
He said, I leave them so if you abide in my words, your joy would be complete. It would be full. He cares about that. He wants that for you and me. So my prayer for you is that the words of Jesus will be fresh in your life. And when you crack open your Bible later tonight or tomorrow morning, that the Holy Spirit illuminates those words to you in beautiful ways. And you experience Jesus in your life in such real ways, in deep ways, that every joy you go through, you're gonna give God the glory. Every challenge you go through, you're gonna hold on to God really tight because of those words, those everlasting words of life. So turn to somebody and say, I'm living in the red zone. I'm living in the red zone. Amen. God bless you. Thank you. Keep your hearts open to him.